Sound all right? <coughs> before, we go any, before we go any further, if you can do me a favor, please smash that like button, show our guests your appreciation. It helps the video out, it helps the channel out. And today, it's a huge honor for me to have Tav. He's a brother. He's actually a very successful brother, global director of AI for Mars, which is a billion pound company, huge uh, um, company to work for and to get to his position, huge achievement. But he's done a lot of other things, which we're going to find out more about. So Tav, if you don't mind, if you give us a quick introduction, a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, Javier, firstly, thank you so much for having me. It's a huge honor to actually be here on your channel today. And, and a big hello going out to to all of your uh, all, all your subscribers and everybody watching this, thanks for turning out and watching this. So, um, my name's Tav. I uh, I'm currently, um, as as Harvey mentioned, I lead AI for Mars Inc., uh, which is a hundred year old family business uh, that's a private family owned forty billion dollar business and that's in eighty countries. Been there for about twelve years. Um, before that, or kind of while I started there, I was also dabbling in music a little bit as well been a radio presenter. Um, yeah, and, and obviously I've been on my own journey into Sikki as well. Amazing. So with Mars, I think 12 years, for you it probably seems like a long time, but for, for somebody like myself, knowing from where you started out to where you are now, it seems like, it seems like an incredible journey. And I know there's a lot of young people who who will probably think, oh, well, I'm gear study or I'm, I'm brown, I'm, you know, or I'm not from... You know, I'm not the typical kind of uh, exec uh, face that I'm not going to be able to make it in a, in a big company. So can you kind of tell us where you started out, what your journey was like in Mars? Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, I was a skinhead when I joined Mars on the 14th of September in 2009. And my role then was actually, I used to be the guy that used to go and sell chocolate into shops. Uh, and it was great because I used to go around and then, you know, once a month, you have to go and visit seven, eight shops. And I, I grew up in shops, right? My dad had a shop. And I just remember the rep coming into the shop when I was growing up as well and sweated the freebies. And um, so that's the job that I did. And I remember I used to go into the shops and once a month, my manager used to come around with me. And my manager was like, hey, you know, you got to sell this deal. You've got to sell that deal. And I just used to go in and speak in Punjabi to the to the uh, retailers and go, uncle, you know, you might help me out a little bit if you buy a deal today. Is that both? I'll buy two deals today if it, if it helps you get, you know, get, get further in your career. <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, so I did that role for a few years. It was a bunch of fun, just having fun. I mean, there at that time, I mean, the biggest thing is RBI, it's time, right? Like you can only, you can only concentrate on certain things because at that time, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. And I was happy doing that job. I was happy doing that role because I was doing other things at the time. Um, and then for different reasons, I decided to all of a sudden start, you know, actually growing my hair, uh, you know, wearing a turban. And that was quite difficult, to be fair, for myself and for myself and for Mars, if I'm completely honest. And there was a lot of ignorance when that happened. Um, and there was a lot of education needed. And I think it was actually, there wasn't a lot of people that worked at Mars um, that were, you know, wearing um, at the start at the time. And for people that, I think it was difficult. I think it would have been a little bit more easy if I'd started and they'd seen me for the first time like that. But because some of these people saw me over, over the course of the weekend kind of go from, like, coming in skinhead and then I'm starting to wear a, a turban. And let me just like, be completely honest with you. This was at a time where, you know, 
um, in some parts, racism was right. I mean, it still, you know, probably is in, in today, but it was like, but I always give people the benefit of the doubt and I have to put it down to ignorance. So I had people actually say to me, well, you got a rag on your head for, that doesn't look good, man. You need to sort yourself out and stuff. And, um, but you just have to be thick skinned. And what actually happened at that stage was I actually helped educate some of these people by creating a, a bit of an understanding in, about different cultures and different backgrounds, whatever religion that may be. Because like, you know, these people were leading, let's take a step back. They're leading the independent channel. So their teams were calling on shops that are actually not owned by one you know, background today, it's, it's a multicultural, you know, landscape out there of people from very different backgrounds. So they need to be educated about different backgrounds, different, the way people look, the way people are and the reasons for doing that. So, so yes, that's what happened. I, I then obviously uh, had to go through that, but then since then it's been awesome, you know, to kind of, it makes me proud to be, you know, uh, a Sikh that, you know, wears, wears a, a, the star and is able to go and try and, you know, like, around the world and um do different things and do different roles yeah it's huge because I, I know you personally so i know i remember i think it was in the state somewhere we did a speech and it was in, in front of all these like top top dogs and you and like sikki saroof doing doing a speech to these guys and it's from an outsider like from my perspective it's, it's amazing to see that um to see our community in in, in these high positions and uh, representing on, on an international stage because you, you don't stay in the UK, right? You're, you know, every time I speak to you in a different country. Yeah, not so much lately because of COVID. So I've had the, I've had the absolute pleasure of being able to be at home for just over a year and actually be with my family because, you know, before that, I wasn't for a long period of time home very often. And I wouldn't say it's a high position. I think it's, you know, with grace, God's grace and, you know, progress that you know i've been humbled to be able to progress at, at mars and and be supported by some really good mentors uh, uh, as well and um but i believe anybody can do anything right that's the whole point you just gotta have the belief in it and you know um and the thing is to your point about that that presentation that was like to some that was to our top cfos of the business and some of the mars family and you know as i mentioned the business makes a lot every single year without even thinking of it, the second richest family in the US. And um, they want something from us as well, right? These guys, unfortunately, haven't had the pleasure of growing up in multicultural societies. So they want, don't feel intimidated by some, you know, yourself by going into a situation like that. They want, they want to learn, you know, as well. And if there, if there are, unfortunately, um, ignorant because not because they're intentionally like that, then you just help them on that journey. Right. It's been, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I think you're, you're a great, um, spokesperson because I've, I've had interactions where people will speak to me and they, they'll speak to me in slow English because they don't think I understand English. So they say, hello, <laughs> you sit here. And I think, um, you know, I was born here. I can speak English perfectly fine. Well, maybe not that well, but, but reasonably enough to get around. And, and uh, you're very competent. I know we've had meetings, we've had long talks and stuff, and you're very on the ball, you're very sharp, you're very competent at your job. Um, so, you know, it's great to have, I think you, being Sikhi Srupa is one thing, you've got the challenges of being um, from an ethnic minority, potentially, 
but then you you have to be competent at your job right regardless of whether you're white black orange you know unless you're good at your job you're not going to get a promotion you're not going to get from a to b like you have done so so that's credit to you can you tell us about the journey because going from shop to shop to where you are now seems yeah. like a seems like a completely different it, it is but i just want to i do if i can just want to share something because you made me you made me actually remember something and this was really important um growing up so i was born in the midlands when i was 12 my parents moved me to southwest scotland a little village where they didn't even teach RE at the school there. Right? I had to get a bus eight miles into the school. There was no ethnic minorities at all, zero. And I remember I hated it. I was like, mom, dad, what are you doing, right? And I left all my friends behind. I'm 12 years old. Think about it. I just moved into, uh, into secondary school. And um, I remember the first day going into school and I followed all the kids into, uh, into the main foyer as opposed to going around to the, uh, to the reception. And Harvey, I walked in and about four or 500 kids just went silent. I mean, you know, that there was the hustle bustle of kids in the morning and it was just silent. And I just remember feeling like I'm getting looked at by a lot of people, right? And I walked up to this one person and I, I don't even remember who that person was. And I was like, hey, um, where's, the, you know, where's the office? And they pointed and I put my head down and I walked there. And I got taken about an hour later to my classroom and, you know, I met my, my friends and Terry Shields, who actually became a good friend of mine at the time, turned around and was the first person that ever spoke to me and he went, what's your name? And I was like taken back. I'm a 12 year old kid and I'm like, my name's Tar Binder. What's your name? <laughs> And everybody burst out laughing, right? And then, you know, that was, it took them three years to bring RE into the curriculum to start teaching religious education. But now in hindsight, I'm so uh, pleased that my parents had the foresight to take me out of where I was born, to take me to a place where there's just, just no multicultural people, you know, one, they didn't understand, right? Because actually I had to deal with a lot of ignorance. I say ignorance intentionally and not racism because you, you, it helps you become very thick-skinned and it also helps you, to your point, to be very confident in any situation at all. So back to your question, that journey at Mars. So I, yeah, I was selling chocolate from out of cars. I was all in, always into gadgets, always into tech. You know, um, my big brother got me into that, Commodore 64s and the, uh, the Spectrums back in the day and um, always into tech. And um, I, was, I, I started doing things you know, to become more efficient in the job and other people wanting to learn. So I landed myself a job in the UK market, helping those in the, in the field become more efficient. You know, I was the first person to give everybody in the UK an iPhone from their Nokia. So I've got a lot of friends, if you can imagine, taking a Nokia away from you and giving you an iPhone, you're my best friend for life, right? So basically um, what happened was um, there was this collaboration platform that I was rolling out and I got asked to actually go to Belgium to support the top 100 leaders there to be able to not travel to so nine sites, but to actually um, do what we've been doing over the last year to connect virtually and to actually send questions into this collaboration platform. So that happened and it was successful. Our CEO Grant Reed was actually there, surprise Q&A turns up. He's Scottish by the way, and he obviously lives in the US. And um, 
after it, he said to, you know, uh, Joel Morale, who was the, the uh, European president at the time, he said, hey, I want to meet the guys that have made this possible because we've saved hundreds of thousands. Think about it. Top 100, not traveling, no hotels, you know, all that stuff. So he comes into a room and he meets two guys that are working on the Polycom, which is the Zoom equivalent of, of, of back then. And he comes over to me and he meets me because I've done the whole collaboration piece. So we had a couple of, you know, we had a, a conversation for a couple of minutes and told him that I was brought up in Scotland. And then I went, hey, Grant. And he said, yeah. And I said, um, can I take a selfie with you? And he looked at me, he's like, selfie? Why? And I said, because I'm trying to drive change at Mars and I'm driving this change through this new way of people collaborating, you know, which is Yammer equivalent today for anybody that's in a, in a corporate world. None of this existed then. People were just about doing, must be doing email back then, right? This is like 2013. And I said, my hypothesis is that if I take a selfie with you and put it as my profile picture on this platform, that the adoption will drive through the roof because everybody at Mars will want to see the guy with the turban who's taking a selfie with the CEO. So he took this picture with me and I put it on and, you know, that got a lot of, caught me a lot of attention. And I landed back probably about, um, six months later, I landed a role in, from one market to a global strategy role. Very, very junior, obviously, with, with a lot of people in that. Did that for a few years, which was awesome. And then I got asked to go and drive the transformation of our finance function for a couple of years, where I did that. Where I did that, um, that um, talk that you, you just you just referred to about a few minutes back. And then after that, uh, it was quite funny. We had a new chief digital officer who's also Asian, Sandeep Dablani, very, you know, one of Forbes' top men. And he basically saw me at, a, at, a, at an event um, in Miami. And at the end of this event in Miami, because obviously my background to DJing and stuff, I got a little bit like kind of, you know, there was a DJ there. I started just messing about on his decks. And I actually got the presidents of our business dancing to bongra music <laughs> on a ball in Miami. And this guy comes up to me and, and he's like, He'd come work in my team. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you need to come work in my team. And I was like, why? And he's like, if you can get the presidents of this business to dance to Bhangra music on a boat, you can get them to do anything. So it took about a year because I was obviously still driving the finance transformation. And then I joined um, Digital Technologies, uh, led different strategic initiatives, did some really cool stuff there. And then they offered me uh, the, uh, the role that I'm doing right now, which is to lead Cool. So I want to try and glean um, transferable skills and the, the overarching virtues and, and qualities that you have that other people can apply. Because I know in a conversation once I was talking to you about something and you were like, oh, yeah, do you know this person's kids names? Do you know this person's birthday? And like, you know, you should talk. Man, he basically saw me at, a, at, a, at an event um, in Miami and at the end of this event in Miami, because obviously my background to DJing and stuff, I got a little bit like kind of, you know, there was a DJ there. I started just messing with that on his decks. And I actually got the presidents of our business dancing to Bhangra music on a boat in Miami. And this guy comes up to me and, and he's like, you need to come work in my team. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you need to come work in my team. And I was like, why? And he's like, if you can get the presidents of this business to dance to Bhangra music, on a boat, you can get them to do anything. So it took about a year because I was obviously still driving the finance transformation. And then I joined um, Digital Technologies, uh, led different strategic initiatives, did some really cool stuff there. And then they offered me uh, 
the, uh, the role that I'm doing right now, which is to lead Amazing. it. Really cool. So I want to try and glean um, transferable skills and the, the overarching virtues and, and qualities that you have that other people can apply. Because I know in a conversation once, I was talking to you about something and you were like, oh yeah, do you know this person's kids' names? Do you know this person's birthday? And like, you know, you should take an interest in a person, right? If you're going to have a relationship with them. And um, so I think there's those kind of things they're probably just intuitive to you and just part of your character, but for an outsider, they're, they're, they're quite exceptional and they make a person stand out. So uh, can you, can you um, shed some light on so, some of those kind of um, characteristics that you, you think may have helped in, in terms of build networks and relationships and that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Helps me in the past and it helped me in the future. And it's empathy you've got to empathize with everything you do, right? And you've got to be able to make every single person that you talk to be like they're the most important person in the world. And like, you know, Harvey, how, how hard is it to remember somebody's birthday or, you know, child's name or who they are, where they're from? And it's not difficult. It doesn't cost anything. And actually, if you remember that, you touch a place with that person that a transactional business meeting that has some functional objectives can't you, you can't it doesn't you know it doesn't even compare so be genuine is number one be empathetic is number two um and be honest is number three i think those are three three transferable skills as a concrete example i remember somebody was coming down you tell me about it and, and you set up they were a fan of it was it a football team or something and you set up like this whole thing for them can you tell us about that yeah so it was our CFO, uh, Klaus, the CFO of the whole business. And my boss at the time was like, hey, we've got, um, we've got you know, the CFO to come and spend a day with us. Uh, he's flying over from the US and he's going to spend a day with us. He wants to see, it was that finance role that I spoke about. He, we want to show him the work we've been doing. And I was like, okay. And he's like, so what, what do you expect? I remember we were in the back, back of a black cab in London. Uh, and he's having this conversation with me. I was like, well, so what are the team saying so far? He's like, well, we're thinking about doing like 15-minute presentations and like with a Q&A for five minutes. I was like, that's just going to feel like the head teacher's coming around to see everybody's work and you're going to stand there like, oh, you know, like with your best suit on, waiting for your head teacher to come around, big smile. I was like, he's not going to remember that. Like, you got to make give him something that he remembers. And, you know, sometimes you have to over-index and actually, you know, invest in, in, in the... Uh, the situation so what we did was we we're actually in munich we did it in uh in uh, in munich and we his favorite football team was tottenham and what we actually did was he had no idea we were doing this we uh, created a simulation which made him the cfo of tottenham for the day so i met him at the airport and he's just thinking he's coming into a random meeting you know like to kind of meet i met him at the meet the uh at the uh at the airport and kind of shook his hand and said hey not it's not what you think. You're here for a for a, a simulation where you're going to actually play the role of uh, of um, the CFO of Tottenham Football Football Club. And you have to make different decisions, and we're going to show you different capabilities of what we've been doing at Mars for the last year with my team to help you understand that. Though you're going to have to make different choices and decisions to save your club or for your club to go bust. Right. So he was like, "What?" And I had somebody actually with me filming it, and I was like. This is our correspondent from Sky Sports because I wanted to make the montage because you wanted to obviously, you know, promote what you did at the end as well. So, yeah, we had this amazing day. He learned about so many different things. 
he never forgot it. He's, he loved Chuck Norris, so we called him Chuck Norris for the day as well. And we gave him a trophy at the end of the day to put on his desk and sit on his desk. So every single day when he comes to his desk, he sees this trophy of him awarded to Chuck Norris and he remembers that day, right? That's amazing. That's such a great story. Um, you, you've done so much. You, you mentioned Munich and you've traveled so much. Like you mentioned Miami, Munich, um, other places in the States. I know you've been uh, to the other, like India and, and those sides as well. So what's that like traveling? I know because of COVID, you haven't been traveling as much, but prior to that, what's that like? Because that's probably quite a unique position as well. Not everyone travels as much within their roles and to those kind of places. Yeah, it's awesome and obviously not so awesome depending on what you're doing and where you're going and who's with you, right? So I've had the fortunate, we're a family business, I've, had, I've, had, I've been fortunate enough to be able to take my family with me sometimes as well, which is awesome, you know, Dubai, Miami, I was able to actually go work and actually have my, my, my family there with me. And other times I, I've not been able to, so I've had to go to Australia, which like literally took a whole day to get there. And, I was literally there for a week, coming back for a day and then going to Canada. And I remember to this day, finishing my day, I remember like, I'm, it's like that's a whole day's difference, right? The difference is just ridiculous. So I used to like come back to my, uh, my hotel room and just like fall asleep on the bed, like sitting up trying to work. It was just so tiring. So and I actually came back and the day that I was back that I wanted to spend with family, I actually spent sleeping, right? Because it was just exhausting. So it's great from the point of view of, tick done it um you know i'd like to i think now having lived covid i need to travel again soon but maybe not as often and uh, would be great you know literally not because i remember that whole year 2019 i was traveling and then i kind of had everybody a couple of things one i had to go to india i told my parents that i was uh going to be in uh in the u.s and my parents were in india at the time so i actually flew from bangalore to amritsar and they were, this is the day before Diwali. And I went to the hotel where I knew they were. And I knocked on the door. My parents, I literally opened their eyes. They're like, but well, actually I had the manager do it. They're like, oh, you, you got a message from London. They opened the door, what message from London? They saw me standing there, right? I was bursting their tears, which was awesome. Took them for some food. My parents like, don't go to restaurants, right? So actually they were proper proud of that. I took them for, took them for some food. Yeah. Then the flip was that I said to my family, look, when I come back, well, we'll go on holiday and I'll, and I'll, and I'll take you on holiday. And that's it. I'm not traveling anywhere. And then I come back. Literally one day later, I, I got told I've got to fly out to New York for my birthday, right? So I actually was on my own on my birthday in New York, literally because of work. So it, it has its... Uh, yeah, ups and pros and cons. I guess yeah. if, you're, if you're not married and you don't have kids and you, you know, you're kind of just, you know, you've got just your whole life is focused around work, I guess it's probably a bit easier to manage. Um, it reminds me of the military a bit, because, you, you know, you, you're, <laughs> de you're deployed and you can't, you don't really have a say in it. So you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, with traveling, I've got a friend who watches these podcasts, Manny, he's got his own business as well. And um, I find people who travel, they're, they're, they're different. I, f I feel like they're, they're a bit more open-minded. They're a bit more uh, liberal. Um, and uh, they're better at communicating with different kinds of groups of people. Have you have you found that traveling has opened your eyes to different things or changed you in any way? Um, so firstly, um, hey, hey, Manny. Um, and secondly, um, I think, you know, it's a couple of things. One, it's around um, traveling. But two, it's about experiencing when you're traveling. Because you can all go travel 
for a week's holiday, sit in a, sit in a resort, you know, enjoy and get a yeah. nice plan and come back and not experience. So it's about traveling and experience, but it's also about living. So I think being born in the Midlands, growing up in, in Scotland, even though it's literally part of the United Kingdom, had a massive impact on the way I am. But similarly, you know, um, being able to experience different cultures and countries through work has also been massively insightful. And, you know, one example, I went to remember going to Mexico and uh, went into the Walmart in Mexico and realized that actually we have to pay, we have to actually get people to go into Walmarts every single day and protect our space on shelf, right? Whereas here, you and I know in the UK, in Tesco and Sainsbury's, they employ people to stock shelves and nobody would ever, ever think about another brand coming and just taking a, a space to it on a shelf. So that's just one example of two very, very different, different things. But, you know, Mars have, um, and, and many, many big companies, um, as you develop somebody, they, they really want you to go and experience different cultures. And, you know, there was a lot of conversation about us maybe moving to a different country and experiencing a different culture. Pre-COVID, I think that's, dial down a little bit now it probably will dial up again at some point maybe something that we will do at some point as well yeah, that's really interesting they actually manny who he actually his dad moved to the states for a bit they were close to chicago and stuff and uh, it was a good experience and i think for them as well similar to yourself different part of the world kind of opened their eyes a bit to things and reading books on um bringing up children they say if you take your child to africa india you see they see like poverty they see different ways of life that opens their eyes as well potentially um helps them grow as a person as well so that's um that's an interesting insight but it makes sense you've got to experience it as well as um visiting it um you're obviously a high performer you you, you know you're you wouldn't be in the role you are unless you had a good output and you're able to um consistently produce results at a high level how what what are the any tips or tricks that you can because I, I i might do work and then i'm like need to rest for the rest of the day or something right so how do you consistently for 12 years uh be a high performer without like drugs or drugs right <laughs> um i'm joking um basically um so somebody, somebody said something to me once that was really interesting and it was around the four quadrants of life yeah and those four quadrants of life are, better remember them now, right? Are, you know, your family, you individually, your community. And the fourth one was your, was it work? There's a fourth one. Anyway, I should have practiced this before I said it, right? But the point is you can only ever give, you know, for, for health. And, you know, we've got dealing with a lot of, you know, mental health and everything that we're going through right now. You need to actually stay a little bit in each one of these four quadrants but actually over the times in your life you'll dial one up and you'll dial the other one down so don't be mistaken just because i over index in my day job something else suffers right you know um so that, i want to be really transparent then it's about the choices you make for what you want to do and the other thing is you know just then double clicking into your question around how do you consistently out or you know perform to a high level there's meeting expectations there's exceeding expectations and there's actually been outstanding contract with your leadership what those look like for you in the year ahead if you've actually got clarity on what meeting expectations exceeding expectations and being outstanding looks like 
And there's no question on where you landed at the end of the year, right? Whether that's revenue growth, whether that's unlocking new capabilities, whether that's saving the business money, whatever that may be, make sure you have that dialogue with your leadership so that it doesn't become as, because otherwise, you know, you get to the end of the year, you're smashed it. And then your boss turns around and said, well, you haven't really. And then look at your peers as well. Look at what they're doing, where they're at. And are they, are they thinking differently or are they just checking boxes? So you can be really smart about it without actually having to kill yourself. And individually, do you do that? Because I'm thinking of most people aren't going to be working for, you know, billion pound companies that have that those systems in place. As an individual like myself, kind of a solopreneur, do you set individual goals for yourself over the course of a year or six months? Or how? if so, how do you structure that? Yeah, and any big organization has an OGSM, right? Which is your, you know, your, your, your goals, your strategies and your measures. Anybody can have that. You can apply that to anything. You know, even like in parenting, you can have goals, strategies, and measures of what you want to achieve. You can have that in, in, any, in any form of life. So even, you know, to anybody that's not typically working for a big company and is self-employed or you're all going to have objectives, right? There's a reason if you, if you actually really dive down yourself into why you're doing what you're doing, you'll have a reason Obviously, we get out of bed in the morning because we love what we do, but there's also there's, there's going to be a, a reason of why we're doing what we're doing, right? Yeah. So I guess it's about finding your why and then working from there. Or are there any books or resources that you recommend? Because I think self help is a is a massive growth area, and people l- like to read books on those types of things. And Stephen Covey's done one which has a four quadrant system, but uses it for different things. On it's more about time management. His model. Is there anything that you've read or come across that people could look to to try and g- g- look at the strategy that they need to have for their life and their goals and the measures? Or, yeah, or... so love reading books. Uh, I really appreciate you asking that question. Simon Sinek, you mentioned Simon with the Why as well. He's a really, really famous author. His last book is called um, The Infinite Game. So I'd recommend everybody read The Infinite Game. It's one that I've given my team to read. And the concept is that you either have an, a finite mindset or an infinite mindset. Now, a finite mindset is like a game of football where there's two teams, there's a set amount of time, and there'll be a result at the end of that time. One person will win or it'll be a draw. There's a, there's a result. There's a winner and there's a loser, typically, unless it's a league game and then there's a draw, but you know what I mean. In an infinite mindset, the rules can constantly change. Things can evolve. And it's about how you are able to adapt and actually deal with that change. And Habia, a lot of it's related to Sikhi, you know, like I don't say this often to people, but everything I do in my daily life links to Sikhi. You know, in Sikhi, you, you, you're, not, you're not meant to be up there and then down there. You're meant to be, you know, kind of on that, on that constant line. If you think about some of the things I've said about those four quadrants, if you think about obviously the different areas that we have in Sikhi as well, that where you're meant to play in, you know, our values of, you know, it's like, there's a lot of, a lot of similarities on what I do in my professional life versus what, you know, is in, um, is in Sikhi as well. That makes sense. And I, I want to touch on that. But before we get to that, I remember we, we had a meeting once and you did this exercise. I think it was like the five whys. And you kept asking me, yeah. but why, yeah. but why, but why? And I was getting a headache at the end of it. I said, we take a break. But, um, can you explain that? Because I, I tried to, I was having a conversation with somebody, um, again, they were in the military and we were talking about this um, on their podcast, actually. They've got a, a shout out military mindset podcast. And um, 
was talking about how that exercise is important because superficially we might say we want to do this because but then that day you really made me think well usually there's a deeper reason right it's not usually you want to you don't just want to clean up the house for the sake of cleaning up the house there's, there's probably a deeper reason behind that and so can you elaborate on that please yeah so a big thing today is user centricity so whatever you want anybody out there right now whether you're working or you're creating a new business it's all around creating value creation the value creation is the gap between the willingness for someone to pay for something how much someone's willing to you know pay for a service and how much it costs to make or that's resource so the resource costs willingness to pay this piece in the middle is it's called value creation and getting the biggest value creation all depends on how you approach something from a user-centric point of view. So what's going to make your podcast be the one that's watched versus other podcasts? I use that as one terrible example. But the point is, if I asked you that question, like I did that day when I gave you a headache, I'm sorry, um, you'll have an immediate answer. But your immediate answer is never really the real answer. And it's actually not even an answer because don't, start with an answer if you start with an answer you're actually solving and going with a solution what's the problem that you're trying to solve so if i said to you hey javier what's the problem that you're trying to solve in doing this podcast you'll have an answer but then if i say to you but why is that a problem then you'll think about it and then you'll come up with another answer but if i then say to you but, but why is that a problem it's called the five why exercise and it's like peeling the onion back essentially what you'll eventually get to is a much different problem to the one you started with. And that's the problem you want to solve, right? Because if you can solve that problem, you're solving way more than just the first thing you said, which was your initial problem. I think I need to have a meeting with you <laughs> regarding the podcast. <laughs> we need to do that. But um, let's talk about your journey in Sikki, because as you mentioned at the start of this podcast, you, you, you initially had cut here. So, and... And being a part of a big co company, like I, I grew up in sports. I used to do Muay Thai. And when I was going to keep my hair, I thought oh, it's going to hold me back um, in sports. And even now, if I train at a club, you know, 99% of people won't have long hair, even if it, you know, even for fashion, because you're, you're grappling, your hair gets pulled and, you know, you get knocked about a bit. So that's always kind of been, oh, well, it's not really done in my profession. And obviously within your field, you you know, th there's probably not many people in Mars who are, you know, a case study and have Sikhi Sarup. So mentally, there's potentially loads of reasons for you not to do it. So you actually doing it, you, you must have um, a why for that. So can you talk us through your journey and, and what that's been like and, and why? Yeah, and I'm still very much on, and at the start of that journey. I just want to call that out as well, right, to anybody else that's watching. So still lots that I've, that I've got to do um and hopefully will do you know over time and also as well you know you may fall off the horse but it's about you know being able to just get back on the horse as well there's other things that i would turn around and say because you know we've just been brought up a certain way as humans we're just tuned a certain way to to think about certain things what are people going to think what are people going to say what they you know what's their perception of me right you know that's just it's natural but it's actually it's all fickle if you think about it who cares what anybody thinks or what anybody says? And actually, so to, to, to answer your question, I mean, my parents are Amrathari, and as you know, people used to see me and then 
known me for a long time. I used to live, obviously, I stayed in Scotland. I, I, I was up there even after my parents came back to the Midlands. And then over time, you know, some friends would maybe meet my parents and they'd be like looking at my parents. So I'm and they'd be like, that's your parents. And I was like, yeah. Nah, that's not your parents. That's my parents. And that, so there was this whole perception of people. I don't know what they expected my parents looked like, but it definitely weren't what my parents looked like. And then, um, and then after like 2013, my my, my uh, one of my grandparents passed away. And it kind of they were kind of it just got me thinking about you know. Um, and it was funny because I, I I used to kind of like think a lot of my uncles who have gone through their life and are a lot older have now obviously turned into you know uh, you know keeping the case and stuff like that. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to do this later on. If I'm going to do it, I want to understand it a little bit more now. I started just kind of learning, you know, very, very basically. And, and um, yeah, so, uh, you know, without, I just started learning a bit more about Sikhi and it agreed with what I wanted to do. And the biggest thing was actually, it's very easy for me to suddenly go and, you know, cut my hair off or shave my beard or start eating meat or whatever, whatever I mean, you know, that, that, that I may not do anymore, but actually it's about that. It's also about, you know, you mentioned the military at this, you know, during the court, it's also been able to actually say, well, no, this is a choice that I've made for myself. And it, it doesn't matter. I might have a day. I might have a day tomorrow where I meet somebody that, that, that gives me a comment about the way I look or about the fact that I wear a star or the, about the fact that I don't eat meat or whatever. And, but I can't let that, you know, it's just got to kind of bounce off you like water off a duck's back because that's their opinion. And they're entitled to their opinion, by the way, that's fine. But you just got to make sure that somebody else's opinion or words or point of view doesn't affect you in what you've set out to do. Um, and how do you get to that point? Because I was having a conversation with one of my very good mates yesterday and his wife, and we were talking about kids. And, um, you know, there's obviously, it's a, it's a hot topic, and you, lots of people have different views on, on how you should bring up your kids and that type of thing. But my, my point is that um, she, was, she was saying that, my bubby was saying how if, if the kid isn't practicing, if the kid's not reading his prayers and doesn't have any connection with his faith, then what does the outwardly appearance matter? Because then it's kind of like you're you're forcing them to look a certain way, but they have they have no grounding or they have no reason to look that way apart from the fact that they they're going to get shit there from their parents um, <laughs> if they cut their hair. So why why do you do that difficult path when you could just follow the easier path? Yeah, so a couple of things. So firstly, I had kissed when I was young. My parents grew my hair. I had kissed till about the age of eight. I used to always get into scraps. People used to always pull my hair and. Eventually, you know, my parents weren't really happy with it, but I had my hair cut. At the time, my mum was like, don't worry, then you're going to grow it. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, and eventually I did it myself. So to answer your question, though, you know, again, your Bobby has their opinion and everybody's entitled. So I don't want to say that Bobby's opinion is wrong at all. But, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, my, for example, you know, my uh, people have said to me, but hey, you need to give your kids protein. They're not eating protein. They're not veg vegetarian. They're not eating protein, right? They're never going to be strong. And uh, you and I know examples of people that are vegetarian. Yeah. That and I've seen your kids, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I was like, yo, that, let's just let's just keep that there. But secondly, on you know um, keeping kiss or uh, again, say my own example. A, I'm trying. You know, we try and give our kids as much sangat as they can get. You know, again, that's not written by us. We have much sangat they're going to have. It's written, you know, for them. 
A and B, um, if if they want to, um, you know, eventually not have kiss and they want to go in a different direction, that's their that's their choice. Um, but for me, you know, I, I'd rather have a starting point where they understand about Sikhi and they have Sangat and they have Kiss um, to be able to make the decision to not have that as opposed to not have that starting point, right? So for me, I kind of got, I came full circle, right? And if my kids ever do fall off the horse, they can hopefully come full circle as well. That's nice. Yeah, just to clarify, she didn't say that, um, she didn't, because she'll probably listen to this. She didn't say that. <laughs> we, Hi. Okay, she meant, um, if they're older, they decide they don't want to keep it. Uh, but you're like, oh, you know, you're going to get beaten up if you do cut your hair. And then it's that kind of thing where they, they have this identity which doesn't reflect what they might be feeling on the inside. Um, but you you expressed it beautifully. I think one of the things we talked about yesterday was the importance of Sangat as well. Because if you're, you know, in Gurbani says, and like the, the kind of company you keep, you're you'll you'll eat that kind of fruit that makes sense so it is really important and there is that thing they say in western culture isn't it the five people that you're closest to you'll be a, a and there's some evidence on weight loss actually and they say if, if you look at the five people that you're closest to you add up their weight and you divide it by five that will be your weight which is which is really interesting or around that mark so you're not going to have five four triathletes and one like a yeah. A, a B student it just doesn't really happen that often, which is probably what they mean in the research. But um, but yeah, so it just goes to say in in every culture the the importance of um, sangat and the people you surround yourself with is so so important. Um, music, let's touch on that finally. So you you were really big in the music scene, right? I've seen your stuff on on Facebook and stuff. So again, going from that to like the transition into Sikhi, have you? Have you um, had any issues with that? So no. So you know, firstly, uh, I was fortunate in in music to have success both from production, first DJ and then production, and even radio. Right? I used to present radio um, for some of the big Asian radio stations up and down in Scotland and and down here in London, and um, I really enjoyed it. You know, and um, I don't do that anymore. Um, for different reasons. If you remember the four box quadrant I talked about, I had to actually then dial up my time in a different quadrant, which is work and family to actually, you know, um, dial down some of that. And, and taking nothing away from anybody that treats DJing or work, I treat DJing or music production as work. But for me that, you know, I, I obviously had the day job as well. So yeah, it was great. And um the transition then, I think it was quite funny because in some of my last videos, I started wearing the star when I didn't actually wear the star. I actually wore the star when, when I was still, and people kind of started to say, hey, well, you know, you started to wear the star. And that was like when I was playing with the idea of starting to wear the star. Um, and unfortunately, you know, somebody, one of my friends sadly passed away in music a few years ago, and I, I, I flew up for his uh, funeral uh, to Edinburgh. And um, a lot of people saw me off for a long time. And I looked very different to what they remembered me as. And they were like, whoa, you know, and that's, they might have thought something. They didn't say it. They didn't voice it. Do I care? I don't really care if I'm honest with you. And that's all good. So, um, so yeah. Nice. Lastly, slightly personal topic, and you don't have to talk about this, um, is I know recently you lost your brother. And I, I have as well. We, we kind of 
been through something similar. Is there any advice you can give to somebody who's going through grief, who maybe through the last year or prior to that has lost somebody close to them? Still figuring it out, so probably not. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just, uh, I think it's just um, realizing that someone isn't going to be there anymore when you yeah. take them for granted. I think probably the biggest advice I could give is just don't take people for granted, right? It's like, because, um, yeah, that's probably better. I'm not an expert, so I'm happy for people to give me give me some advice on that side as well. Yeah, likewise. Um, is there anything that's helped you through the lot, like COVID period or through prior to that, anything that's helped you get through? Yeah, you know, this is a really good question. And one has been exercise and two has been Simran. I'm not even going to lie. Obviously, your family, having your family, but like I saw this thing, Harvey, about um, this, uh, I think it was the US um, Olympic team that have withdrawn from an event okay. because of mental health, right? Wow. And I'm like, and I saw somebody put a post out. If these Olympians that are just training and just so you know, physically and mentally fit are going through mental health, what's that say for people like me and you and everybody else watching, right? So you've got to acknowledge the fact that it's a real thing. And I, I was actually thinking, you know, back in the day when somebody used to, like mental health was frowned on in our, in our, in our culture, you know, tikni hegar, you know, the bombardia, mental, like, come on guys. Like now I'm thinking, whoa, and it's a, it's a real thing, right? Like mm. having different thoughts of, of, of doing or being a certain way and you know, hearing all of a sudden that somebody you knew really, you know, fine and well decided to take their own life. What do you go through to think about that, right? So again, just coming back to your question because the digress is um, for me, exercise, just getting out, taking all that. You're the, one of the real people that got me out in the first place, running outside on the road and stuff. So I love, you know, running out and breathing all that in and really does make a massive difference. So just how your day goes, A and B, if you can get a bit of, you know, if you can, just, if you can get to the good one, just do a bit of simmering, you know, in sunlight, because you can do it at home on your own, which is also awesome. But if you can just get a bit of sunlight once a week, it's, it's good. That's the two things that I think have really helped me. Amazing. I think that's really good advice to end on. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I know you've, you've booked us in between meetings and it's your, your time is really valuable. It's, this is very much appreciated. I think it's going to help a lot of people, especially... We haven't really had a podcast guest to talk about the stuff that you've talked about. And it's more every athlete that I've interviewed, when I ask them how much of their, their sport um, is down to down to the mental aspect of it, they, they often say, you know, 80, 90, 100 percent. So how much of, of your um, progress in your career do you think is down to the, the kind of mental aspect of like controlling your mindset and working on your mindset and that stuff? Firstly, by the way, I just want to say we're all busy. So thank you again for having me and, and, and putting me into your, uh, you know, your, your schedule and getting me as, as one of your guests. So I really appreciate that. Um, secondly, I don't know, you know, I think I haven't got it all figured out, Javier. I just like literally try and do what I can do, know what I know to try and get through the week and do what I've got to do, right? And it seems to be working. One thing I will say actually is, if I do, if my, if, my, if, my, if my mental health is in a good place through 
whether it be you know fitness or whether it be just doing a bit of simran in in sangat my week's just easier Does that makes sense right i think and someone said this to me it might have even been you that said this to me once that you're still you're still having the same things to deal with in a week it's just how you approach those things right so if your mindset's a certain way you approach those things in a different way if your mindset's in another way you'll approach those things in a different way so i think uh, i will definitely take credit for that <laughs> uh, yeah, i think it was you last lastly i promise last question is um is. is if there's 17 18 year old you know coming out of school wants to figure out what they want to do with their lives and that kind of stuff any advice you can give to the younger generation yeah hot topic and i don't want to use this as a way to try and poach talent but the world's massively changing and actually coming out of covid companies are realizing that youngsters don't want to go to university anymore they don't want to rack up a big stack of debt and then actually not have a job at the end of it so typically back in the day you used to have apprenticeships in factories and other skills but actually we've started something now as of many other companies called the data analytics apprenticeship so actually now we're taking on individuals and I'm really excited that my team is looking at the talent of the future so if you haven't got a degree but you've got an interest in data analytics and ai you can go i think it's a company called multiverse who are working with mars coca cola just eat facebook google some of the big companies out there to get you on a two year apprenticeship so pay you know work as learn as you earn i think is the tag they call it right where you for two years you're 80% on the job 20% learning you come out the other side with a qualification and a full time job so yeah so that's what i'd say to anybody who's 18 19 year old right now that's watching this that's brilliant and if it's well, i'll add the description uh, link in the description box below is that for uk only or is that canada america so it's a, a great question it's a global initiative uh, i think we're dialing it up specifically okay. in uk right now um, but it's global and just give you one example uh, real quick Coca-Cola have actually paused their graduate recruitment scheme right now to dial up and invest in this apprentice um apprenticeship scheme in data analytics that's how important and intentional companies are being on this in this space that's amazing it's amazing um okay so on that note let's end it thank you so much where can people find out more i know you have lots of um you have lots of initiatives that you've been working on and the youtube channel as well please plug that and any anywhere else they can get hold of you so yeah um, my name's Tarp Najjar as Habib has mentioned right now i've actually come full circle to bring everything together so my music passion my uh, my presenting passion i'm bringing together for the first time with my day job so i've just started something off thanks Habib called plain talks which is actually going to be something that we want to do to try and help democratize artificial intelligence because people are scared and don't understand it um so plain talks uh, you know linkedin youtube instagram twitter gone search uh, run everything and we're releasing a, an episode every week that takes a concept of artificial intelligence and tries to simplify it to a real life story and we just did one on the weekend which really shows what wearing masks michael jackson and artificial intelligence have in common so yeah yeah i heard that one is brilliant thank you so much for your time